Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The general, to me, she's royalty. there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. I am your host, Ryan Key. I'm the other host, Nick Gambarian. Hey, everyone. We're here. You're the host. I'm the third best host. You're definitely in the top three. <laughs> yeah. I know that for definitely, sure. Definitely. Let's, let's put a positive spin on it. Top three. Top three sure. all time. All time. The unassailable <laughs> top three hosts of Thank the Maker are Nick Gambarian, Ryan Key, and Adam Russell. Agreed. Don't anybody at me with any other bullshit. Those are the top three. Not open to interpretation. Facts only. We are the top three. (laughs) Speaking of facts, we are doing a special episode. First in what's going to be, I think, a series on characters, starting with mom, Leia Organa, Carrie Fisher, mother of the rebellion. The character archives. Hell yeah. Saga. Character saga. All the important words. (laughs) So, I mean, there's... Endless amounts of things to say about this person, this character, this human. But we're going to try to keep it concise. We don't want to go too off the rails and repeat a whole bunch of stuff that we've done in other episodes. But we do want to focus on what makes this character special and all the characters in subsequent episodes. It should be noted that when the idea to do this series of character examination, it was just known that we were going to do Leia first on behalf of our good friend Adam Russell over here. Who's in the top three best hosts of all time? <laughs> How about of all time? How could you not go with Leia, though? I mean, you gotta. Unfortunately, of the major actors, Carrie's passed, but I mean, she's the through line of, of everything. Like, mm-hmm. really, she's there. She's just there for everything, taking charge, being a badass. Well, we're not gonna fully follow the format of a film, but we are gonna do some familiar things, starting with this right here. What have you done with those plans? Princess Leia. Skywalker, Organa, Solo, Senator of Alderaan, Senator of Alderaan, Princess of Alderaan, General, so many names and so many titles. Hutslayer. Hutslayer, General (laughs) Badass, played, of course, by Carrie Fisher in Rogue One, portrayed by, under the face modeling, Ingvid, we're going to say, Delia, possibly, Scandinavian name, most likely. She's Norwegian. The last name is D-E-I-L-A, so I'm not sure if it's Dila or Dila, but... I did uh, read that she didn't know that she was audi- she was 19 and didn't know she was auditioning to play Princess Leia. She was the right age, though. True. Only requirement, because she does not look like Carrie Fisher at all. <laughs> How old are you? 19. You got the job. You're in. Ingville. We got it. Ingville. That's it? Yep. Producer Drew coming in hot. There you go. Ingville Dyla. We got it. Nice. Crushed. Yep. Dude, we're so smart when we have people to help us. Side note, I want to go to Norway. I've never been. I've been right next to it many times, and I've never been. That's one place I've been that you haven't been? There you go. You guys have Japan over me. I've been to Norway. We played one show in Oslo. Damn. Uh, I've played in Finland and Sweden, everywhere everywhere around there. Denmark, but I've never been to Norway. I wanted to go snowboarding in, in Norway so bad. So, Ingvill, if you know a spot, 
You should go, man. It's easy to social distance on a slope. I think they're doing all right with the whole thing in Scandinavia as well. But, you know, the problem is I'm not allowed to fly there. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> so, they're doing way better with lots of stuff. Yeah, so moving on. <laughs> moving on. Princess Leia Organa, also portrayed by Billy Lord, Carrie Fisher's daughter in The Rise of Skywalker, again, under the facial modeling in the flashback training with Luke. That was her daughter, Billy Lord. That must have been such a trip for her. Can you imagine? Not credited in the actual credits, right? I don't think so. The character, Leo Organa, born 19 BBY before the Battle of Yavin on Polis Massa, asteroid base in the subterrell sector of the Outer Rim. I was trying to picture this earlier, and they just kind of cut to it in episode three. All of a sudden, they're on this little base on an asteroid. Mm -hmm. I guess it's probably near Mustafar. Mustafar's Outer Rim as well, right? Yes. It's like, land the ship, land the ship. My water broke. Land the ship. Yeah. There's an asteroid. Like, I know this spot. It's just like three light years away. Hold on. <laughs> but apparently it was like a medical facility because there is this base on an asteroid that these people whose planet is long since gone or something settled there. I read really quickly. If we want to learn more, maybe we'll talk about that later. She died 34 ABY after Battle of Yavin on Asian Kloss, where the rebel base was or the resistance base at the end of the Rise of Skywalker. She was, of course, the daughter of Padme Amidala and Anakin Skywalker, twin sister of Luke Skywalker, adopted daughter of Senator Bail Organa and his wife, whose name I don't know. Bail Organa, of course, of Alderaan. He was one of the founders of the Rebellion. We met him in the prequels, saw him quite a bit in the Clone Wars and the Rebels series. Friend of the Jedi, of course. He also makes that killer cameo in Rogue One. Oh, yeah. Coming up out of the shadows in the war room. Yep. I would trust her with my life. Goosebump moment. I feel like we're getting more Jimmy Smiths as Bail Organa. I hope so, man. In either the Obi-Wan series or the Cassian series. It's got to be both, right? It just makes sense. He's alive. You could de-age him a little bit. It's fine. We'll get him. And Jimmy Smiths. <laughs> Dude, what is it about Jimmy Smiths? I don't know, but that's what—that's how I want to say his name, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Daddy works at that down at the diner, Jimmy Smits. Even if I was talking normal, like I was, yes, I was watching Star Wars, the Clone Wars animated series, and uh, doing some research for my podcast, and I was reminded of the time that I was watching Jimmy Smits, Jimmy Smits playing Bail Organa. It would just come out that way, no matter what. <laughs> what was he famous for? before star wars it was la law or some shit what was his big yeah, i uh, want to say it was like a new york based uh, police yeah like a network thing. show a network courtroom type drama show yeah i think it was la law like mid-90s or it wasn't a new york based thing? i mean jimmy smith's you think uh new york <laughs> i think i'm projecting the name jimmy smith sounds <laughs> yeah, like it's from my new york. <laughs> my insulting accent is projecting what show i think he was in based in new york <laughs> Either way, we love L.A. Law. L.A. Law. Look at that. Nailed it. Adam Russell with the pop culture. Born in the 70s. My dad watched the shit out of that show. Bale, of course, as we see in episode three, offered to take Leia when she was born. Talked about he and his wife wanting to have a baby. Adopted mother. Bria Organa. Padme died of a broken heart. (laughs) (laughs) Soft ass heart. She's sad. She's the most emo person in all of Star Wars is what it comes down to. (laughs) Medically, she's completely healthy. For reasons we can't explain, we are losing her. She's dying. We don't know why. She has lost the will to live. Leia, as we know, became part of the rebellion herself at an early age, when she was 19. So she was on the mission to bring Obi-Wan back to Alderaan, the original mission. On the Tantive 4 they get boarded after receiving the Death Star plans, so she has to send 
the hollow message to Obi-Wan that we see at the very beginning of A New Hope. She's a kid. And she's like a freshman in college, and she's leading the rebellion. Like, yeah, happy graduation. Here's your diploma. Get your ass on that ship and <laughs> go get those plans. Go find some plans. It's crazy. That whole, I mean, really, the, the whole original trilogy, she's a kid. But mm-hmm. again, imagine being 19 years old. When I was 19, I was an idiot. An idiot. <laughs> yeah, I was, l- I was less than productive and smart at that age. But she was also a senator at that point, right? Same as like Padme. All these young, smart women just reinforcing how stupid we were as children. Yeah. I think too, just to have a parallel of real life rebellion and protesting and stuff. I mean, it is the kids, the younger generation that have more to lose, you know? So I think that the younger you are, the more fervent you are with like wanting to stick up for your generation and actually have a chance to make a change, you know? So I think people like Luke and Leia being 19 and Ray, like all these younger people in Star Wars, that lends itself to the hero's journey. But also there is something about having optimism and having hope and not being like beaten down by the system and being like, you know what? I'm 40 and I'm tired of, I'm tired <laughs> of how things are. I'm hitting the streets. We got bills to pay. I'm making fun of myself right now. That was me. Same. I'm 40. That's how we <laughs> talk. When we're not on this podcast, we all sound like this. You guys said everything I would have said, so I just didn't even... Also, the idea that Carrie Fisher was playing the role, or at least was cast in the role at 19. It's wild to think about the ripple effect of her getting that job and her character at 19 years old. It's just, what what did I do other than drop out of college and work at Chili's when I was 19? (laughs) (laughs) It's an interesting parallel knowing that she herself, Carrie Fisher, was Hollywood royalty. And of course, her daughter is as well. But We didn't know her as that. We just, you know, she existed before we were born. So we were born with Princess Leia. We weren't born with this actor or this girl who was the daughter of these famous artists and actors. So it's interesting that she not only was kind of like born with this silver spoon in her mouth and kind of handed these opportunities, but she also just crushed as an actor and as an artist and became this other person to all of us. She became Princess Leia to this generation of kids, of children, talking about us being 20 years younger than her, 15 years younger. You know, we're, we're three years old, six years old, when we start getting really into Star Wars. I mean, there's no concept of Hollywood royalty to a six-year-old, right? Right. And to the people who are old enough to be involved in that, knowing who her parents were and their history in the industry and in Hollywood, they're not involved in, in Star Wars fandom. So right. she just became Princess Leia to us. You know, there was no baggage. We touched on watching her audition tapes in Empire of Dreams. And I don't care who your parents are. She got the job from that audition. Yeah. She was always Leia from that point. And I'm I'm sure we all remember hearing Mark Hamill specifically talking about, oh, here she comes, you know, because he was this young dude, similar age, like, oh, you know, she's got whatever she wants. She's Hollywood royalty. See what she does on set. And then she just won everybody over. He talks about it in that Frank Oz interview that I always talk about. Carrie and I were like real brothers and sisters in more than the way you would anticipate because I loved her, but she could drive me crazy. You know, she she was exasperating in a way that we get into these huge fights. I said, you are so full of yourself. You know, you little spoiled brat from Beverly Hills that had everything given to you on a silver platter blah, blah, blah. And she said, you know, she would give it back as well as she got it. And we'd fight fiercely. And then, of course, like your real sister, 
the next time you see her, all that's forgotten, and you're, 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 you're friends again. It, it, was, it, it was that way. I only tell you that because I don't want to paint this glor- glorified picture of that it was the perfect relationship. It wasn't. But I mean, she's certainly unlike anyone else I'd ever met. And, uh, you know, my life was so much more interesting because of her. It's interesting, too, I think, with her and Mark Hamill. You know, they, they went on to have a lot of, like, Mark had voice acting. Carrie Fisher was a, a writer. I know that much. So she never really had, like, an on-screen role or anything that even came close to superseding Princess Leia. And same thing goes for Mark Hamill and Luke. So they truly are Luke and Leia. Yeah, like, Carol Peterson from The Burbs was no Leia Organa. Yeah, exactly. You know, Han went on to be indie and and the president. I don't know, whatever whatever <laughs> he did. He did. Uh, he's been in more movies than, than everyone else combined. But the other two actors, just they are Luke and Leia. And their success that they had over the years after Star Wars is all mostly behind the scenes type stuff. Yeah. And going back to that Frank Oz interview with Mark Hamill, he talks about Carrie coming to see the opening of one of his Broadway shows. She came to see me on Broadway. She goes, what's with your bullshit bio? (laughs) You know, it was like my third or fourth show on Broadway. I'd already done more shows than she had. And I said, what are you talking about? She goes, you don't even mention the movies by name. She goes, what? I said, I I mentioned them. She goes, yeah. It says, Hamill, known for a series of space-themed films. (laughs) (laughs) Made his Broadway debut in such and such and such and such and such and such. So, and I said to her, I got, I really got my back up. I said, well, it's theater, Carrie. They don't take Star Wars seriously. I mean, the critics probably have it out for me just because I'm in those movies. And she says, Mark, I'm Princess Leia. You're Luke Skywalker. Get used to it and get over yourself. I said, I've been nominated for a Drama Desk nomination. She says, no one cares. So Princess Leia, as we all know now, was kind of the original self-saving princess, the anti-damsel in distress, written as such. Lucas wrote her that way, again, referencing the auditions Carrie Fisher was the one who could really portray all of those different sides of this character. You know, the sensitive kind of maternal and leader vibe, and then the gangster-ass rebel, the romantic side, all of it. There's a bunch of great examples, even in A New Hope. She, of course, evolves to become more and more multifaceted versions of of this, but In A New Hope establishes herself as all these things. Long before a lot of the big ones, like for me, the other big one is Sarah Connor in The Terminator couple years after A New Hope, you, of course, have Ripley from Aliens. I was going to say Marion from Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, which obviously that came from Lucas's world. So, but very similar. She, she, you know, her relationship with Indy, I mean, she was not the damsel in distress. She was drinking those Mongolians (laughs) under the table, you know. What's cool, I think, too, with all those characters and, and specifically Leia, is that there was no lazy writing when it came from Lucas about kind of having like an easy out of like men around her doubting her because she's a woman. Mm -hmm. It's kind of just always understood that she was a leader. And I think Han maybe could be a little bit like that, but it never really seemed like 
it was because she was a woman. It was because she came for money or something like that, that he kind of had some snarky remarks. But I yeah. don't think it never, ever really had anything to do with her being a woman, which I feel like would be really easy to write in, especially in the 70s, giving people a reason to doubt her leadership or doubt her, her right. smarts or anything like that. So you kind of just have this, uh, I know I say this a lot, but Star Trek moved beyond any kind of racism or sexism or anything. People are just mm-hmm. people and, and stuff like that. And I think in Star Wars case, and in Princess Leia's case, as long if you don't acknowledge that, then you don't think about it. If no one ever questioned her leadership or her smarts and kind of judged her for being a woman, then you just don't think about it. You think that she's she's a self-saving princess. She's a rebellion leader. She's right. she's a strong character, not a strong woman character. She's a strong character. Think about how they built the love interest into Star Wars, at least into the original trilogy, not knowing there would ever definitely be films after that right Mm -hmm. they build in the love interest of her and han but there's never a time where she is needing to be rescued by han Mm -hmm. there are times where she shows vulnerability there are times where she shows that she's fallen for him which are human characteristics not the way i think women were often portrayed in cinema for decades as far as i'm in distress and i need a man to save me she never interacted with han that way when they were vulnerable, they were vulnerable together. You know, we've talked yeah. about the, the creepy scene on the, on the Falcon in Empire. Yeah. But even in, in those scenes, you know, we talked about how it was poorly executed. But at the core of it was just her kind of showing her vulnerability. And I, I don't think as a character written or acted, she was giving in to some creepy sexist attack by han solo she would never let that shit fly yeah han didn't take advantage of that at all exactly that didn't didn't go anywhere you know he wasn't doing it for any ulterior motive right and i think that seeing their relationship through the films they depend on each other all three of them do which is what made it such a classic moment in cinema this triumvirate of characters you know that you don't say one name without the other, but Princess Leia was not what you're thought to believe in cinema for so long a princess would be. And Han Solo, the swashbuckling space pirate guy that I think prior to Star Wars is written to swoop her up and take take advantage of her, as you said, Nick, that shit is not happening in Star Wars. And... I think it's just, it was such a cool new direction for film in general to go in. And I think Princess Leia will always stand for that, for independence and strength in a female character. When you're taking the soil sample down to the core of cinema and you're looking at the the cross-section, the strata of where shit happened, that's like the KT boundary. That's like, that's where shit really changed. For sure. To have a female character as iconic and world famous as Princess Leia became overnight from A New Hope, that wasn't a thing. You hadn't, you hadn't seen that before. You hadn't, you hadn't seen a female character step out on the stage saying like, uh, I'm the boss. Yeah. And even with this classic, again, like scummy pirate guy, hero guy, get this walking carpet out of my face. I'm not caving to this shit. This is, you know, I'm running things. And I I think it was ahead of its time and I'm grateful for it. Being the fan that I am and have been my whole life of Star Wars, that has to have impacted my mental state and my perception of equality between men and women, the relationship between Leia and Han and Luke. If anything, on a subconscious level, because like I, I said, it wasn't shoved in your face yeah, yeah, that that's you what had I to mean. like earn anything, you know? So it's kind of just like, for sure. oh, that's the first instance I've ever seen on film of just people being equal and like- For sure. In like a meritocracy kind of way, like 
No, she's taking charge because she's qualified and because that's part of her skill. Yeah, it's subconscious. Like, I don't think I would have grown up in a world in my head where I would have thought, well, a woman can't do this or can't be that because my woman growing up was Princess Leia and she was the boss, you know? So I'm grateful for her character and for the way she was written and and acted as well. The line on the Death Star when, when Han first starts kind of like popping off at the mouth to her and she just puts him in his place... I don't know who you are or where you came from. But from now on, you do as I tell you. Okay? Okay. <laughs> like you said, it just, there's no, there's no question. There's like no mention of, uh, yeah. He do, there is a line where later in that, like, you know, in the cell block in the control room, he says something about, you know, now that there's no uh, female input here or whatever. But that's literally the only thing. And it just kind of just passes by really quickly. But it's straight up just like, okay, you f***ing amateurs are trying to save me, but here's what's going to happen. So shut your mouth. It's, it's just badass. Okay. <laughs> okay, mother. <laughs> Some other great examples of her leadership, and like I always say, maternal qualities and her high EQ, her emotional quotient. There's just like, I've heard people kind of make fun of this a little bit, how on the Falcon after Obi-Wan dies, Luke is just full emo meltdown at the chess table. She comes over, brings him a blanket, and comforts him, despite the fact that her entire planet (laughs) was recently just blown up. Her family, her friends, probably most of the people she's ever known are all dead, but she's there to kind of comfort him. So that's leadership. You know what I mean? Yeah, eyes on the prize. There's other things to take care of at that moment. And then later, exact same thing. When they arrive at the Yevon base with the plans towards the end before the battle, the commander, as they pull up on that little scooter thing, says, oh, you're safe. When we heard about Alderaan, we feared the worst. And she says, We have no time for Asara's commander. You must use the information in this R2 unit to help plan the attack. It's our only hope. And again, she's just like, dude, we have a mission. I'm upset too, but here's the plan. Sorry, dudes. Chill out your mustaches. We have to get to work. Yeah, everyone's like f- frantic about everything all the time. And she's just calculated and prepared. There's definitely like a parallel all the way from Leia losing Alderaan and that thinking of kind of going on with the mission. There's a parallel line all the way in The Rise of Skywalker when she's talking to Snap Wexley and she basically just says this mission is everything. It cannot fail. She just has that go-getter. The mission has to work, you know? Laser focused. Exactly. Not laser brain, laser focus. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it's just instilled in her that the mission has to go on. It cannot fail. That's it. She was born into the rebellion, you know, Yeah. which is so fitting. I love also there's that little bit of snark there as well. Classic Leia snark to snap because he's less than enthusiastic. And Rose is like, you have to say it like that. Like what? Do me a personal favor. Be optimistic. Yes, ma'am. Uh, this- like, come on. Get your shit together. Yeah. Like, you know what I've been through? Yeah. Get your head up. Get your emo hair out of your eyes. <laughs> She's the shit. That's why we're here. Going back to A New Hope, though, right out of the gate, just a few examples of her badassness right off the jump. The way she stands up to Vader in one of the very first scenes when he boards the tent of four, she's like, Darth Vader, only you could be so bold. Oh, this dude. Okay, what's your problem? <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> yeah. to Vader, to the most like evil villain in the universe, right off the bat, she's like, oh, essentially to him. Yeah, setting a tone that she's not going to take his shit, you know? 
And then the same thing with Tarkin. Yeah. Even as her planet's about to be blown up, she's not taking shit from Tarkin. I should have recognized your foul, foul stench, stench when I was brought on board. board. That's when she's kind of doing that. Uh, I think that goes to filmmaking when you shoot stuff out of order or it's like, all right, good. We got it. Let's go. There was a moment where maybe they were like, yeah, she's got a little bit of an English accent or she was playing yeah, it with totally. it. Because then that just went away. But either way. Yeah. But that's like her. That's uh, her diplomatic voice. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The royalty side. But that line to just step up to him. Again, like the most evil villain in the galaxy standing next to the most evil military leader in the galaxy. And she's just like, you stink. She goes, slider. Slider? You stink. (laughs) Yes. This is why we're friends. Exactly. Oh, dude, I do that line all the time at work. No one knows what I'm talking about. Crash and burn, huh, Mav? Slider. You stink. You stink. And and moving on, you know, when she gets her half-assed rescue, and what's the line? She's like, this is some rescue or whatever, right? Yeah, and she says somebody has to save our skins. Yeah, grabs the blaster from her (laughs) would-be rescuers and just starts blasting people, blows open the garbage chute vent and says, Into the garbage chute, flyboy! Just barking orders like, oh, God, you guys, come on. (laughs) How about even before that, just the inception of the rescue famous freaking line where (laughs) Luke walks in and she's not like, oh, sweet. Or, oh, no, a stormtrooper or anything. She doesn't get up. She stays lounging like she stays laid back and says, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Like that's her reaction to some (laughs) unknown military dude breaking into her cell like unannounced she's just a boss badass that's what she is and then keeps it going even with chewy big towering chewy it's get this walking carpet out of my face (laughs) ryan added the note apparently they have carpet that's always been one of my fun they use english in star wars because they have to use english in star wars but there's so many things that are like, I don't know, like uh, these are gripes. I guess they should go in a certain point of view, but Godspeed, you rebels in the last year. That always bothered yeah. me. Like Godspeed, we're, t- we're talking about God now? Yeah. What, when when did that <laughs> pop up? Or carpet, yeah. like, uh, yeah, guys, um, uh, Death Star, uh, room 3504, uh, the Berber. Yeah, the Berber carpet, it's going in there. <laughs> you know, like they didn't have carpet. But dude, you have to imagine in Lando's personal quarters, there's some Thick, lush, golden shag in there. (laughs) You're right. I'm sure it smells of many leather-bound books and rich mahogany. There's just lots of cool words for stuff that we have different words for, you know, that they put a spin on. And carpet is just, when you look back (laughs) on it, the line is funny. Obviously, it's classic. But if you really think about it, you're like... What, space opera carpet? Yeah. (laughs) Floor hair? Floor fur? (laughs) What are they, what do you call Moving on to the empire strikes back we're just i mean i'm just going down the line movie by movie here the hoth briefing always kind of stood out to me yeah she again she is in charge she's running that place she's the one giving the briefing not the other military leaders and everything you know she's not in the ship flying in the battles but she's like look here's the deal here's the plan we're doing this good luck well she doesn't even want to leave i mean she's gonna go down captain goes down with the ship she's in Mm -hmm. the control room you know, or the command center or whatever you want to call it when the bombs are falling and the ceiling is coming down on them. And again, this isn't Han rescuing a damsel in distress. This is like, I'm in love with this woman and she's so stubborn that she's going to, because she has to lead all these people and save all of these people. She's going to die in here. I have to physically remove her from the premises, you know? Yeah. And that's another example, I think of, of what a strong 
female lead character she is like i'm not leaving you go if you gotta leave cool but i gotta stay here and save my people and then in return of the jedi first we see her is we don't see her face yet we don't know yet but she comes into jabba's palace in that bounty hunter suit like a g waving around a blaster thermal detonator in hand making threats to who we now know especially from clone wars and everything else like a galaxy-wide known gangster Jabba the Hutt, a dude who... An actual G. Yeah, who runs <laughs> this whole cartel. There's this whole area of the galaxy called Hut Space. She just comes in there like, yo, give me what I want. I have bombs and shit. Super badass. And then it doesn't work out in the moment necessarily, but... Well, I hate to keep harping on it, but think about that scene too. Like Han is almost, not using the word literally, melted in her arms, you know? She, even in a moment when she gets to, when she says someone who loves you, which is holy shit, man, what a powerful moment in star Wars. That's the first time where both of them acknowledged, uh, I don't know, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, like it's a true, just like scene where now, you know, that, you know, she says someone who loves you and she's still in a position of power. That moment Mm -hmm. doesn't make her weak. He's weak in her arms. Yeah, that's great. It's the literal opposite of what you would see in a story. Especially in the early 80s. Mm -hmm. I love that. A woman saving a man. That's big time stuff. But kissing him at the same time, you know, still giving you the space opera romance. You didn't even know at the time, I'm sure. I mean, like as an adult who's used to watching it the other way around at that time, you still got all the feels in that moment. You still got all the goosebumps. You were still just like, oh yes, they're finally together. They're fine. You know, you felt all those emotions, but she was in the position of power. And I love, I love that. And then of course, speaking of position of power. Yeah. Of course it's flipped where she is. I mean, it couldn't be more opposite. She goes from this position of power in this romantic kind of dynamic to being a literal slave in chains, sexualized in this metal bikini thing that, of course, has been fetishized and all this other kind of gross shit since, but then flips it and ends up being the hut slayer choking out Jabba. It is now, the more I think about it, so great that that happened because she doesn't just kill him because he's the bad guy. It's revenge and everything you dehumanize me like that, I'm going to choke your slothy ass out. You're dead. Yeah. And you know her before that so well at this point that this isn't a weak young woman who saw a window of opportunity to choke her captor and get away. You know those motivations. If you, if you look at it and you peel the, the layers back and understand her character, it's all those things you just said. It's, it's, she's not some imprisoned, weak young woman. She was just waiting for her moment. Exactly. Yeah, she didn't run away when R2 broke those chains. She knew that her escape was going to come after. Peace out. And then later, I, I don't know, this, this is more like the maternal thing, but I love the kind of sensitivity later on when she meets Wicket and befriends him and kind of gains his trust, which makes her no longer potential dinner for the <laughs> walks. <laughs> Go back to your comment. Where did she get that dress? They ate that lady. <laughs> yeah, so she puts on dinner lady's dress <laughs> after becoming friends with the Ewoks. It's like, I met this cool lady in the woods. She saved me. And she can fight stormtroopers. Yeah, that's the thing. When those scout troopers show up and Wicked's like, oh my God, what are these things? She's like, hold on, I got it. Smokes both these dudes, hits them over the head with a log. Like the one trying trying to escape she not only just like gets them, but the ones trying to escape and she fully just blows him away, blows up a speeder. Like you're done. 
All right, let's go now, little teddy bear guy. <laughs> I'm done blowing up these guys. It's awesome. She's a warrior. I watched the whole original trilogy in the past 24 hours. You did? Yeah. That's so fucking cool, man. I mean, a lot of it was in the background while I was- You're feeling good now. I'm high on Star Wars life. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know what we should do? We should do episodes based on all original movies. Break them down now that you've watched them all. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen all the Star Wars movies. <laughs> Oh, I love this. I love this paid hobby that we have. We could get guests for each episode. Yeah, that's a good idea. You guys know anyone in, I don't know, in bands or anything? We could also be in the top three hosts of all time. If we play our cards right. If we're lucky. All three of us. This, of course, leads to the end of the original trilogy, towards the end. Classic line. What do you call it when you revisit a line, but you flip it. There's got to be some like screenwriting term for it. I don't know, but I want to revisit it before you say this one in Empire really quick, just to go back. When she says, I love you in the Carbonite facility, that's a statement of power. That's not a statement of weakness. Again, that is her giving Han what he needs to survive. Yeah, hope. Yeah, she decided in that moment that she needed to tell him she loved him, not because she was afraid of losing him, not because she's the damsel in distress who's going to her hero is about to die. She said it because Han needed to hear it and she knew it in that moment. I don't know if I've ever thought about it like that. And that's great. That's powerful shit. Dude, the way she says it, she's like, I love you. It's really deliberate. It's it's not frail. Like don't give up. Or if it is, if it is, it's the perfect amount of frailty because it's real. And I'm man or woman, when you tell someone you love them and you mean it, there's going to be some frailty in there. But the delivery to me is just so deliberate that I think, I mean, how do I know how Carrie Fisher was playing in that moment in her head? But my interpretation of it is that it was classic Leia being a leader going, I know he's acting like he's not afraid right now, but it's Han. He's terrified of what's about to happen to him. Yeah. And he's terrified about losing me, not the other way around. He's afraid he's looking on me and Chewie for the last time right now. So it's finally time for me to profess my love to him, not because I'm weak, but because I'm strong and I'm going to give him what he needs to survive this ordeal. <clears throat> Are you okay? <laughs> Why are you going to do that to me right now? I'm sorry, bro. That was, I don't think I've ever said it out loud that way either. But while we're on the subject, that's just how it came out. That's great. Damn. New levels, new layers of the onion. (laughs) Point being, when it comes back around in Return of the Jedi. I love you. The way she responds too is just like, I know. (laughs) She's laying there wounded. I know. It's, yeah, I know. She's just been blasted in the arm and she's smiling right. at her companion, you know? <laughs> the line could have been, no shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so then they all win and it's a big fairy tale happy ending. And we get that great new song. <laughs> Dude, I challenge you <laughs> to just watch it a few more times uh-huh. and do your best meditation prior that I know you're fully into now. Yep. And just try to like... As you know from meditation, as the thoughts come in, say no. Let them pass. Yeah, let them pass by. Get out of here. Try to do that with the old stuff. Try to ignore the CG. Yeah, I do. I do that. It's good because it does build to that triumphant end. You know, the classic score comes in at the end. Yeah. It builds well. I can't, (laughs) I'm not going to put it in my top few (laughs) (laughs) as far as John Williams cuts go, but it works for me now. Unrelated now, even though we're talking about the Ewok song. I have <laughs> stuck in my head. I don't know why. 
How did that happen? You need to rewire. Even? You need to rewire. How, how did that even happen? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's like you need to bypass the compressor. Wait. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nick, you have some great notes in here about the Bloodline novel that is recent, new canon. Yeah. Yeah, this is like in between, right? Timeline-wise. So it kind of goes in order. Yeah, well, it's it's closer to Force Awakens. I think it's within 10 years of Force Awakens. But I present a question to you guys. Did it ever cross your mind after Return of the Jedi at any point in your adult years that people just knew Luke and Leia were related to Darth Vader or Anakin Skywalker? Did you just assume after seeing the prequels... <laughs> And knowledge as a viewer that everyone knew who Vader's kids were. I had the most fleeting thoughts about that and assumed, yes, that people knew. Okay. How about you, Ryan? I Did ever cross your mind? I felt always that it may have been a bit fantastical and, you know, dramatic license and all that, that this was supposed to be the greatest kept secret in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. even though his name was still Skywalker. The worst kept secret. Mm-hmm. So I, it never crossed my mind. And as I was reading this book, Bloodline by Claudia Gray, the best thing I've ever read in a comic book, a Star Wars comic book or a Star Wars novel was this super heavy moment. I've definitely mentioned it, but I could go into a little bit more. Please do. The only people who knew after Return of the Jedi that the Skywalkers were Darth Vader's kids, the only person that knew was Han. Damn. So after Return of the Jedi, Han, Luke, and Leia are the only people who knew that Darth Vader was the father of Luke and Leia. So this leads into this book where Bale leaves a wooden music box, Bale Organa, that on it says for Princess Leia Organa of Alderaan and has a voice memo in it, kind of letting Leia know who her father was and, and all this stuff. So in this book, it's in the middle or of the New Republic, and the First Order kind of has seedlings of just starting to become a thing. So there's kind of moles within the New Republic and all that. So a New Republic senator and basically an undercover agent of the First Order named Lady Carice discovers this box in Leia's office and hears Bail Organa's message. And instead of doing the dirty work herself, gives it to another senator named Ransom Castofo. And he uses this to basically out Leia to the whole galaxy that Luke and Leia are descendants of Darth Vader and thusly ending Leia's political career because no one thinks they could trust her, not only because she's Vader's daughter, but because she kept it a secret. So basically got outed as a liar, as a politician. Right. So this is... During the New Republic, she's about to become basically the leader of the New Republic. Like, they're going to create a new... Supreme Chancellor? Yeah, exactly. Uh, There's a different name for it in the book. But basically, they're about to make Leia the ultimate leader of the New Republic. And it just all gets swept away from her, as the entire galaxy knows that the Skywalkers are descendants of Darth Vader. Pretty damn heavy for for a novel, a chunk of knowledge that comes from a novel. I'm just going to interject really quick, and I only want to say, imagine a galaxy where when a politician is a liar, (laughs) their career is over. Yeah. All right, carry on. Go ahead. (laughs) So 
Uh, so does this then enable the rise of the First Order? Because the New Republic can't get on its feet from this drama, essentially? I think it kind of sows the seeds of doubt and also enhances the where the First Order is going after that. It kind of weakens, you know, again, yeah. kind of modern day politics. I think it weakens who's in charge and, and kind of gives and boosts up the other side. So, you know, this is a short I want to say six years before the events of The Force Awakens. So when we see Leia again in The Force Awakens, she's General Leia Organa. She's no longer a politician. She's back to a rebellion leader, a resistance leader. Yeah. We both went back to what we knew best. Yeah. And referencing Earth again, we all know what can happen in just a few years. Exactly. This, of course, brings us up to The Force Awakens with what, for me, on first viewing was kind of an anticlimactic reveal, the reveal of Leia, because Force Awakens was really kind of all about big reveals, and the Han and Chewie one was huge. The Leia one, to me, was kind of like, I'm here. Yeah. But now, in hindsight, I think it really aligns with what we were saying about her just being about business, like, okay, I'm here. Yeah. We're here to work. Just the, the transport door opens. There you are. Yeah, what would because I, I agree the feeling you had I would say I probably had the same feeling in hindsight, but what would what else would have made sense? What glorious triumphant return? Yeah, falling into whose arms? You know what 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 would have worked other than her just? We don't need some like slow mo Michael Bay shot, right? Other than her just stepping out onto the dirt out of a ship, we're here. It's like a reveal for us, the viewer, but uh, it's awkward for them. They're not together. Yeah. You know, like they're, yeah. they're separated and their son is a bad dude. It is awkward. So that's the way I look at that. It's the reveal for the viewer, not necessarily. It's imagine seeing an ex, you know. Terrible circumstances like on all levels. Exactly. But yeah. still amazing to see her regardless. After they, Alea arrives on Takodana and they leave to go back to the resistance base, there is not much time that passes before Han leaves and... It's the last time that Han and Leia speak to each other. Ooh. And she says to him, if you see our son, bring him home. <sighs> and again, I mean, that, that that's an order. You know? <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. to the last. She is delivering an order. This is what you will do if you see our son. It's just so heartbreaking. But it's, I think there's some hope ugh. in there because yeah. what else is at the core of Leia Organa than hope, right? I mean, that mm -hmm. goes all the way back to the beginning. Hope that he will bring Ben home and they will be reunited as a family. There are some great kind of flirty moments between the two of them of remembering, how, you know, it wasn't all bad. Some of it was pretty great. Yeah. You know, there are those moments between the two of them. And she believes, I think, in that hope that he will bring Ben home and that they will be able to sort out their differences and become a family again. I mean, she's always operated on hope. And so knowing that's the last thing she says to him, <laughs> I like it that the last thing she does is give him an order. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's a loving one. Brutal, man. I mean, it's just genuinely brutal that Han Solo and Leia Organa got married, had a kid, and that kid turned bad. Those words alone are just like ruined my life. Well, and then he killed one of them. Yeah. And then he killed <laughs> well, if we would have gotten the Timothy Zahn version, they had twins and they were both extremely skilled Jedi that were training yeah. under, under her and Luke. So that would have been cool to see, but that's not what we got. So at the end of the force awakens before Ray leaves for Octo, I mean, I'm just, I guess I should save this for, I love you. I know, but may the force be with you. I'll say it again when we get to the favorites. So we talked about, you know, how brutal it is that 
this romance happens. They have this kid. Things are great. He turns evil, kills Han, and it all goes to shit. But she continues again. She she doesn't give up her responsibility to the galaxy from that. She continues mentoring into The Last Jedi. We see her kind of become this mother figure to Poe and Rey. It's almost like those two are, are, are siblings as well. You know, he's like the defiant older brother that's like, I'll drive as fast as I want. You know, when the like speeding ticket shows up at the house, <laughs> essentially kind of vibe. <laughs> and then Rey being the one that is kind of wild, but she's wild, but she also knows she's finding this this family, this familial connection to her, which we see fully fulfilled at the end of The Rise of Skywalker. But it's it's beautiful, I think, the way we start to see it build in The Last Jedi. Rey isn't really necessarily getting it from Luke, but we see that relationship unfurling. I mean, we see it in, in The Force Awakens too, that that initial hug where, you know, Chewie kind of gets the snub after the whole thing. She's connected. And we know now that she knew, whether she had sensed it, I don't know what the details are, that she knew who Rey was. And I, I, I'm assuming she felt even more connected and then in turn obligated to bring her in knowing that she was going to, I mean, she was going to have to deal with the same shit that Leia dealt with yep. finding out that her father was a fucking monster. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. A good quote is it might be the very last line of the last Jedi is Ray is kind of doubting. She's holding the Skywalker saber just broken in half and Ray's kind of doubting that the light side could win. And Leia just says to her, we have everything we need. And that genuinely just means we have one Jedi and one person to teach you. We have everything we need. We have hope. Oh, yeah. So as long as there's a Jedi, there's hope. We could say more about the last Jedi. Going, I guess going back to the Poe thing, the way she really puts him in his place, she wakes up out of her coma and blasts the dude. You know, set the stun, of course, but blast Poe like, boy, get in your room. <laughs> She's on a cane, I think. <laughs> yeah. She's leaning on a cane and blasts him with set to stun. That's great. <laughs> but um, going into The Rise of Skywalker, we, of course, didn't get much because, unfortunately, we lost Carrie Fisher and they only had leftover footage to work with, but they wrote the story around it, rightfully so, I think. And the handful of lines there and then the facial mapping CG stuff that they did with Billy Lord to show the training with Luke was so awesome. That to me was like goosebump city. That was a moment, man, in the theater. I just, whoa. How about the fact that Leia is kind of beating his ass in the training? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we come to find out through other outlets later that she was so powerful. She realized she just wanted to put it down. And she had that premonition of her son falling to the dark side if she continued down that path. And unfortunately, it happened anyway, but a Jedi seeing the future kind of power that you don't see. Some people could see kind of shapes of the future and things, the way things kind of might fall into effect. Mm -hmm. But I think Leia kind of saw that. And if the only other person that I could think of is Yoda, who could kind of see what might happen, the only other person... No, dude, the this is perfect. Always yeah. in motion, the future is. But when yep. Yoda says that, though, he says it because Luke had seen the future of Leia and Han suffering. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying, nope, I'm going to chill, he went after it, got a f-ing hand cut off, yep. went mm-hmm. against the teaching. But Leia had the wisdom and the self-restraint to say, I'm going to lay it down. Of course. Yep. Again, she's the more focused and powerful one. I want to see the scene where she was able to levitate 
and just kind of was like, Hell yeah. Hey, hey bro, can you do this? <laughs> yeah. No, no, you can't. At the skate park, like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just landed a triple kickflip. Yeah, she just won the game of skate. <laughs> do we have much more to say or do we want to get into the next? I think through the films, that's a really solid open flow analyzation of the character of Princess Leia Organa Skywalker Solo. Word. I love you. I know. So we, of course, as we've done in recent past, put out a poll to the patrons, but there's a handful of our favorites we want to talk about a little bit here before we get into the poll specifically. Um, Some of these are in it. Some of them aren't. One that we haven't mentioned yet in the beginning of A New Hope, which is iconic now. Classic. So much that they actually brought it back in The Last Jedi. That was a cheap move. The hollow message in Obi-Wan's place. General Kenobi. Years ago, you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I am unable to present my father's request to you in person, but my ship has fallen under attack, and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. I have placed information vital to the survival of the Rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. The word iconic is way overused, but this is kind of textbook iconic cinema moments, character moments. I feel like we reposted this at the time. Uh, I, I can't remember her name, who does one of the voices for Leia in the Forces of Destiny animated shorts on Disney, did a, a hand-washing thing at the beginning of COVID where she recited this hollow message. It's perfect. I've been wanting to memorize it for this reason and because I love Star Wars, duh. But it's it's just so good. It's like she uses a little bit of that like that proper voice and there's a lot of emotion in it. It's just, God, it's so much to say about it. It's so good. Shelby Young. Shelby Young, there she is. Shout out. Great impressions. Anyone, any, anything else on that? She's beautiful. Did you notice? I just noticed this like this past couple of years. At first I thought it was kind of bad performance, but then I realized what was actually happening where 3PO says something and Luke goes, what? Oh yeah. And he continues. And at first I thought it was kind of like a weird edit, but then I realized, no, he's just gazing at the hologram. Yeah. Literally distracted. He's been stuck in a desert with his aunt and uncle (laughs) for his entire life. (laughs) A woman. Hollow porn. (laughs) Yeah. Something we mentioned, this was in a different, I love you. I know metal ceremony poll, Leia hearing Luke through the force at the end of Empire, hanging from the antenna on Bespin. It's a really understated, underappreciated moment, but that's where her force sensitivity awakens. 100%. So sick. That's when she realizes, prior to the moment I want to play, like one of my all-time favorite moments, that's the first time she realizes that she may have it. But she doesn't know yet. No, it's, it's almost, just it's, a feeling. Yeah. It's like Finn. I was, yeah, it's I was just a say, feeling yeah. that she doesn't really understand yet. A little tingling in the bones. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's just the force. And then after having her parentage revealed to her later on Endor in Return of the Jedi, she says, I know, again, somehow I've always known. And towards the very end, when Han says, after the Death Star blows up, I'm sure Luke wasn't on that thing when it blew. Leia says, He wasn't. I can feel it. And then that leads to that great exchange afterwards, which is the best meme, the best incest meme 
in all <laughs> of Star Wars memory. Is there a best incest meme? Best incest. <laughs> we'll just put it in the post. It's, <laughs> it's brilliant. I feel like I posted it before, but it's going up again. Speaking of the last things that our main characters say to each other, you know, one of the last things that Luke and Leia say, Leia says to Luke, I'm just glad you're here at the end. I mean, that's not that hopeful. Leia may have given up at that point and just yes. saying, I'm glad you're here at the end. At the end of The Last Jedi? Yeah. There was an air of defeat for sure that you'd never seen before. Well, at that point they had put out, you know, a distress call for people to come yep. help at the Battle of Crate and... I got nothing. So she, for the first time on screen, just seemed a little defeated. It's funny. Everybody talked about their gripe with Luke in The Last Jedi. You know, it was so loud. People's mm -hmm. opinion of his defeatedness, you know. But who talked about that moment, which I know it was only the one moment, but it's the same exact thing. She felt in that moment that everything she'd done. And I mean, now knowing that, you know, seven, eight years ago, she was stripped of all her titles because of her lineage. Mm -hmm. And she kept going. She finally had a moment of weakness. And we didn't allow Luke to have a moment of weakness. Why? Why is that not allowed? Why are these characters right. not allowed to be humanized, you know? And, and also, whatever your gripe is with Luke, I know we're not talking about Luke today, but whatever your gripe is with Luke and The Last Jedi, what, what more epic thing did Luke Skywalker ever do other than the finale of that film? Yeah. I've never understood the people being so upset that, I mean, just upset that he died. Like, well, I don't know what great film sagas you've watched in your life, but <laughs> heroes die. Like what, what's, and, and what, what other way would you want Luke Skywalker to die than force projecting himself into a battle with Ben Solo after reuniting with his sister for the last time and handing off her husband's famous dice? Like, come on, listen to me just, singing the last jedi's praises people <laughs> and what poe says is just a mirror you know it's like poetry it rhymes it's what obi-wan did in a new hope obi-wan yeah. confronted vader and gave himself up so everyone could hop in the falcon and get away yep and that's exactly what luke did in the last jedi so if you like what obi-wan did in a new hope you probably should like what luke did in the last jedi and then leia does a really similar thing in the end of the rise of skywalker her life ends by giving it, giving every last bit of life force she has to bring her son back to the light, to save Ray, to save the whole galaxy. Yeah. It's a huge, huge ending for her. Yeah. Ryan, what else you got? This is always, hold on, just so you'll know what to put in, has always been one of my favorite moments. Luke, tell me, what's troubling you? Vader is here, now, on this moon. How do you know? I felt his presence. He's come for me. He can feel when I'm near. That's why I have to go. As long as I stay, I'm endangering the group and our mission here. I have to face him. Why? He's my father. There's Dude, more. her face right there. Be easy for you to hear it, but you must. She's disgusting. If I don't make it back. You're the only hope for the alliance. Luke, don't talk that way. You have a power I, I don't understand and could never have. You're wrong, Leia. You have that power too. You gotta stop it. <laughs> time. 
<laughs> You'll learn to use it as I have. You gotta stop. <laughs> It's too good. Father. It's too good. Here it is. I have it. And my sister. Johnny Williams. Yes. It's you. I'm going to leave it at that. I have tears welling in my eyes and all goosebumps on my body are standing. So the moment where she understands her place in the story beyond politics has always been one of my favorite moments in her story. What do you say we move on and hand out some medals? So we polled the patrons. If you want to be one of those patrons that gets polled by us, you can go to patreon.com slash thinkthemakerpod and become a Padawan or higher tier patron and get involved in that. It's like Scientology. You could just pay money and be a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> and the next thing you know, you'll be standing on Oprah's couch. <laughs> and starring in Mission Impossible 7, 8, and 9. <laughs> you know, who? he's the one. He's the one other person in Hollywood that has strangely wide stretched out looking abs like Adam Driver. Sure, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> he got an ab lift like a face. It looks like Kurt. silly putty stretched over a bunch of rocks. All right, favorite scenes we put to the patrons. First, the hologram message in Obi-Wan's home. Next, the cell block rescue on Death Star Uno. Snatch of the blaster. Someone has to save our skins that whole nine yards. Rescuing Han from Carbonite in Jabba's palace. Killing Jabba, the Hut Slayer moment on the sail barge. And then in The Rise of Skywalker, the Jedi training with Luke on Agent Kloss. The winner with 30% of the vote, rescuing Han from Carbonite in Jabba's Palace. Someone who loves you. The runner up was the cell block rescue on the first Death Star. Appropriate, I think. Just being a badass. Being a badass, right off to you. Can't say it enough. Moving on to favorite quotes from the hollow message to Obi-Wan coming out of R2's nose. <laughs> help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Going back to the cell block. Somebody has to save our skins. Into the garbage, boy. In response to Han in Return of the Jedi on Endor. I know. Speaking to Han again. In The Force Awakens. If you see our son, bring him home. And then in The Rise of Skywalker to Rey, she says, Rey, never be afraid of who you are. And the winner, with 53% of the vote, this is a damn landslide, never be afraid of who you are from The Rise of Skywalker. That is unexpected. It's awesome. Give those sequels some love. And unplanned. Give those sequels some love. Runner-up, as many may expect, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. That's, of course, the, the, like the cultural impact winner, without a doubt. Yeah. 
But in terms of the fan base and the emotional weight, I guess, never be afraid of who you are just resonated. And that's just going to have to be the quote of the week. I think so. I love it. I for sure wanted to talk about this for a couple of episodes now. I definitely just had one of those like high in bed thoughts watching uh, The Rise of Skywalker. (laughs) And I was like, man, that's a cool line. But if you really kind of sit on it for a second and think about it, like never be afraid of who you are could be on the family crest of the Skywalkers because every single one of them, Luke, Leia, Anakin, Ben, whether it brought them to the dark side or the good side, they stayed true to their feelings. And to me, that just ultimately tied a nice pretty bow on the Skywalker saga because of all the people that we watched on screen or in animation or anything like that. These people are the focal point of the saga and it's because we're kind of just following their feelings. They're not following just what the Jedi think or just what the Sith think. They're bouncing back and forth following their feelings. And not only is it great in real life to just have confidence and say to yourself, never be afraid of who you are, but as far as the saga goes, the Skywalker's not ever kind of giving in to normalcy, I guess, of what they're supposed to be is really, it's it's the story that goes through all nine movies throughout the whole saga. And it's just, it's super strong. And I think that Leia saying that to Rey opens the door to Rey taking the surname Skywalker. Rey is denouncing her bloodline, denouncing being a Palpatine and following her feelings and not being afraid of who she is. And that makes you a Skywalker. It's beautiful. Sweet. Yeah, this was a really good episode, man. Excited to do more of these. Same. Let's wrap it up. Uh, I know I said merch store last time. It's not up, as you know, if you're listening, but Drew is coming over to the Rebel Basement tomorrow, and we're going to knock out some stuff, and hopefully this time, for real, we'll get that shit up, and you'll be able to buy some Thank the Maker blouses and or (laughs) koozies and or dickies, scarves, I don't know, a beanie. It's the beanie blouse special. (laughs) Starter pack. All right. Like we said before, if you want to support the podcast directly, you can go to patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at thankthemakerpod. You can find us on Twitter at thankthemaker1 until we get that worked out and make it something better. <laughs> My personal stuff is all at Adam the Skull. Mine's at William Ryan Key. And I will be at Nick Bayside until the day I die. Hey. Shout out. <laughs> Story of the year. <laughs> I just made it one thousandth of a cent. <laughs> Thanks to producer Drew and producer Kurt back on this podcast. We got the band back together for this one. Yeah. And until next time, may the force be with you. 